Everybody and welcome to this week's bonus podcast, which is a character profile of Callum Logan, um, who we're talking about this week because his on-screen son Max has been getting up to all kind of mischief recently, hasn't he? What a naughty young lad he is! What a scally! Where's he get it from? I don't know. I mean, yeah, nature, nurture, who knows? Um, I was quite surprised that we didn't do Callum back in the day because this is a character that that came and went during the duration of the podcast. And it's not and like we knew. Oh, he'll come back. We'll um, we'll just yeah, save him. Or wait just in case he comes back from the dead. But I think maybe it was back in the day, you know, he was only in it for literally a year in the show. But when he was in it, he was one of the biggest, most important characters, wasn't he? As, as, you know, the villain of 2015. But now, yeah, we've got a little bit of time passed. So um, I guess now is as good a moment as ever to uh, to reflect back on um, the Callum Logan story. And what I also found out this week, this is actually the first time that we've done a character profile since, like, I think October, did I tell you yesterday? It's been a while. It's been a while. We've been busy. We've been busy, like, doing award shows and interviewing celebs and... um, Various other things like that. But yeah, back on the character profile train again. We'll get a, crank out a load more of these this year. But um, Callum then, Gemma, I'm going to pass over to you to lay me down some vital statistics of Callum Logan. He was born in 1987, when nobody knows. Yes, they. I know they don't, they don't know. Who knows when his birthday was? We know when he died, though. He died on the 21st of September 2015. So it's been... Good seven years. Is been it a... seven years? Um, yeah, ish. Six and a half. Six and a half. Well, that seems... Why is time going so fast? <laughs> He's got a mum, Marion Logan, and two children, Max Turner, who was born in 2006, and Harry Platt. Harry Platt, Who was you. born ten years later in 2016. And he first appeared day after my birthday, 3rd of October 2014. And he last appeared on the 23rd of September 2015. Bit of a coincidence. No, no, because he, uh, he. That's how uh, contracts he work. Was, he had a 12 month contract. He was in didn't his uh, body bag? Yeah. Well, he died on the 21st, and then he had last appeared on the 23rd. Well, he was just rolled up in a roll of car for us, ain't one again, shoved into Grail's annex. Um, he was in two hundred no one hundred and fourteen episodes, and he was played by Sean Ward. Sean Ward, not Shane Ward. No, that's someone else. It's a different person. So this was this character of uh, Callum, as I said, was like the the big villain of uh, two thousand and fifteen. But he was another one um, who you hear about quite a lot on Coronation Street that was brought in for a very short stint, impressed impressed the producers, and then was carried on for a little bit longer. He was only originally meant to be in like eight episodes of the show or something, um, and was brought in to facilitate. Facilitate uh, Paula Lane's exit because this is when Kylie, um, when when she left, and because Paula was on a uh, going off on maternity leave, but um, yeah, they thought everyone thought that he was suitably villainous, and uh, there was more to tell about Callum. Well, he was also uh, like an integral part of the plat domination of that mm. era, wasn't mm. he? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the time that we've been doing the podcast has been that the plats have never been out of the spotlight. They have a little bit over it's the like, past few years. Over the past years. like three years, I feel like. They've really yeah, the gone. plats have been on the wane, yeah. um, but you know they're just they're just having they're a bit just of a break to come back, to come back into the they're limelight. Like those again. locusts that bury themselves underground and then appear 
Yeah, exactly. He's exactly. warming you out. So, but yeah, he and he absolutely was. I mean, I, I absolutely loved the the plat drama of this era, and um, and Callum was a uh, was a fun villain. I'm not going to say necessarily he was one of Corey's most you know iconic of all time. Go down legendary alongside Richard Hillman, Pat Phelan, and. Uh, Alan Bradley. Some may say he was a little bit on the campsite, but the story that he that he had was so so much fun to watch. And um, did you know, Gemma? Did you know indeed that Sean Ward had been in other things before Corrie? Oh, no. Yes. Oh yes, he was in. You'll never guess. Was he in the bill? He was in the bill. He'd been in the bill for something I beforehand. Even look to he'd see. been on the Royal. He'd been on Doctors. He'd been on Casualty. He'd done the rounds. And also, um, his I think this is his first thing, maybe? I can't remember. Um, I was looking on his IMDb page at the weekend. He was in a thing called Cheeky, which is a film that he auditioned for in an open auditions in 2003. So that was... He, he got his mum to take him along to Manchester Airport where they were doing these auto, uh, open auditions for, for this Cheeky thing. And that's where he got the acting bug, I guess. Um, so let's have a look at the history of Callum then. I, I'm guessing this is possibly going to be a bit of a short character profile this week as we've only got 114 worth episodes worth of stuff to talk about. But Gemma, what was he getting up to before he even appeared on our screens? Before he was in Corrie, the character of Callum... We <laughs> go, we're doing that. <laughs> ...grew up on the Paul Robeson estate... Yes. In Withenshaw. Withenshaw. Dodgy Withenshaw. Which is notorious and infamous. <laughs> I, I always get nervous when we talk about Withenshaw, just in case any of our listeners li- live there. I'm sure it's lovely the part where you live. Well, no, but, listen, we had, we've had we got absolutely no opinions on Withenshaw. Well, we've we been go- there. Yeah, exactly. That's the place where that guy was kicking off outside the Tesco, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, listen... We're used to rough places. It's no rougher. Gemma than... grew up on an estate. <laughs> I grew up on an estate that was in a documentary. And when I go there, I just use her as my, my bodyguard. I just go, <laughs> what are you looking at? Like that. Um, so he, yeah, he had a somewhat uh, less than blessed upbringing. Hmm. Um, he meets Kylie and he gets her pregnant. Her dad kicks her out. And Callum's not really that supportive during her pregnancy, but he does no, help I think he, um, out. I think he disappears off Max for a bit. Born. I think he does a bit of a runner when he realises he's got her up the duff. But yeah, when Max is back, he uh, he, he shows his face. When Max is born, sorry, he shows his face again. Um, he gets sent to prison for assaulting a judge. You can assault like, anyone. Don't assault a judge. It seems like a bit Come of a weird escalation out of nowhere, doesn't it? Surely you go to prison for... A crime, and then you assault a judge. What was it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the story in... behind that. Was he actually in court, and he just like launched judge, himself judge, across yeah. the courtroom? Like, well, him. I don't think you did anything wrong. And he's like, "What do you mean? I'm a well-armed crim." And then he, I can't get the idea of him like wrestling the judge's gavel out of his hands, out of my head, and whacking him over the head with it. But I'm thinking, no, judges don't have we gavels don't have in this them. country. <laughs> no. Um, so who knows what he did? Who knows why? Uh, he lost contact with his sprogging his bird. By the time he appears in Corey, he's out of prison and he's dealing drugs with very naughty fellow Baddens, Gemma Winter and Macca Hibbs. It's so funny thinking about Gemma and how she came into the programme as the mole of Callum, isn't it? She was She's basically a drug dealer. She was a she was a very different kind of character. She was very she was a little bit obsessed with Callum, wasn't she? Oh, she, she fancied I think, him. I think she wanted there to be a little bit more, but he was utter, an utter user and yep. just yeah, took advantage of her needy nature to get her to, you know, 
deliver drugs, deliver messages of intimidation, deliver all sorts. But um, she's, I'd love, I'd really, really love for them at some point to revisit this part of Gemma's history again, because to watch her now, you wouldn't know. She's just like some, you know, some, but I wouldn't melt in some her mouth poor chavvy. Trying to raise all her kids and learning how to do sign language and supporting. Well, even, yeah, even that. I mean, but, but if, yeah, Gemma's just like somewhat uncouth now, isn't she? You wouldn't know just how much on the wrong side of the law that she was back then. Right. Um, but but Macca, who, um, I mean, people... I, I suppose that one of the things about this particular podcast we're doing today is it's probably quite good for people who watched it to reminisce a bit, but also for uh, viewers who weren't watching Coronation Street back then and maybe want a little bit, to know a little bit about the, the history of of, um, uh, of of Max. But yeah, um, but Macca was, was his other proper dodgy geezer, wasn't he? Dodgy geezer friend that wore a flat cap, if I remember, and he, he's made sporadic appearances over the year, and he, he was never niced up like Gemma was. Um, I just think, I think there's there's room for for more there. It's really funny, yeah, she used to be a henchman, didn't she? And, yeah. now and also Macca, Macca Hibbs, isn't he like the brother of Clayton Hibbs, who's Shona's son? <laughs> it's well, all very all incestuous. All, all, the lot, all the dog and gun lot, are all related to or yeah. hung out with each so other. So the, the Dog and Gun is the pub um, that, that that they all hung out in, isn't it? And that is an actual pub. It's not... I can't remember what it's called. Is it called The Crown or something, I think? Um, in Withenshaw, which which we went to on our little Corrie pilgrimage. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where we found the, the, the Tesco's with the guy kicking off inside. But we have had a drink <laughs> in The Dog and Gun. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all quite fun. We didn't, we didn't get any drugs, did we? We nobody didn't get any, any drugs. Nobody, nobody even tried to offer us any drugs. We might, I don't know whether we would have just taken some just for that, like, for the what? experience. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> so realistic, isn't it? <laughs> Just like being on Coronation Street. <laughs> right, Gemma, I'll let you. I'll give you 2014. What did he get up to in those first few episodes? Well, this is when Kylie tells David about Callum because Max has got ADHD and she is worried that he's caught it off his dad. Is it hereditary ADHD? Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I assume I've got not. no idea. Well, why would it I not be? Know. Why would it not be? <laughs> Isn't it? I don't know how these things work. I just if teach them. If it's biological in nature, it must have an element, surely, <laughs> unless it's a mu- mutation of... Well, I mean, at the moment, you've got Fizz and Tyrone wondering whether Hope's got the evil gene from John Stave, haven't you? So, who knows? Who knows? Um, stressed out by Max's diagnosis and curious about what happened with Callum, or to Callum, Kylie goes back to the dog and gun as she meets up with him for the first time in eight years. And this is when we, as uh, viewers, meet Callum for the first time. And he gives us some speed. That's nice. He tries to convince her to come back to him, but she remains loyal to David. Yeah, so this was, um, I think, I think before this, she'd been back to the estate and she'd met Gemma, because I think Gemma's first appearance was like maybe one or two episodes before Callum, and she was just trying to trying to find him. And um, yeah, so she, she's, she's, she's married to David at this point, because she, she comes into the show having been married to David, doesn't she? As she a, got married with, to him. She's a cage dancer. Yeah, in Ibiza or something. Something like that, yeah. Um, so... Callum demands to see Max and she fights against this because she doesn't want him to have anything to do with her son, his son. He continues to harass her and then he even shows up at the salon and gets a haircut from David and I remember that, like looking all evil, getting his hair trimmed. He was really cocky, wasn't he? He was. He was arrogant, swaggery. But also, as I said before, just just that little bit of camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he shows what... up at the Platt's house on Christmas Day and he gives a, uh, Max a bike. 
So at this point, I don't think Max knew that he was his dad. I can't remember what the excuse was that this random stranger's just turned up off the street with a bike for him, but... Father Christmas. <laughs> yeah. People don't normally ask questions when people Ooh, turn Christmas, up... Father Christmas, what a lovely gifts. haircut you've got there. Yeah. Uh, David's stunned and he gets into a bit of a fight with Callum and then he kicks Kylie out for hiding the fact that she's been going to Callum and getting drugs. Yeah, so, so as I say, she, you said that she... Um, that Callum first made his appearance in early October, so in the, the interim months between then and Christmas Day, she'd just been going back and forth, getting more drugs. Did she... Mm. Did she? Was she, like, hooked on Max's ADHD medicine for a bit? So I said, am I making that up, or was that a story? I can't remember. But who needs that? Who needs a um, Ritalin when you got some good old speed, eh? Aren't they all the... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So... 2015 was the main story of, of Callum. So Kylie at this point has done one. She's Paul Elaine's on maternity leave and David's wondering where she is. Um, so he tracks down Callum to, to see if he can find the details about this. And Callum says he doesn't know. So David and... Um, I've, I've, written, I've written here David and Kylie, but I'm assuming I don't mean this. David and somebody break into his flat to see for themselves. Maybe it's Gemma. I'm going to say Gemma. Empty flat. Um, so then when David tries to report Callum for drug dealing, Callum gets wind of it and clears his flat of anything suspicious before the police arrive. So Callum doesn't know where Kylie is, apparently. So he then sets to hassling David to see more of Max, which is odd because he didn't, I don't know, would you would you say he was the paternal type? No. And no, no, none of them are. Yeah, I, I don't know. But he, and he, we wonder why, where Max went wrong, you know. <laughs> Start to finish. <laughs> so Not great. So they, they have these mediation meetings towards the beginning of 2015. And this is where we first meet his mum, Marion. Now, she's been played by two actresses now, hasn't yes. she? Current Marion is that one that was off the bill that we yes. that we used to watch. The old Marion, as I don't know. But she's, she was a teacher, wasn't she? Like a secondary school teacher, I think, primary, I can't remember. But this was part of um, Callum's cover. And, and he was kind of well-respected among... Uh, uh, the, the the teacher community or whatever because he well, was he, he was the the, the son a, of yeah he had like a an air of an aura of respectability that was cast upon him by his mother mm. who really did not know anything that he was getting up to no she was very in much denial. in the dark she was totally in denial about what a, what a nasty piece of work drug dealer he was but I I really I really enjoyed Marion especially I mean we haven't seen a whole lot of her in her latest guys but old Marion maybe I just felt kindredness with her for being a teacher as well but I remember at the mediation meeting she was sitting there with Gail and they both kind of got on quite well and they were just like yeah we need we need to get this sorted out bang his and David's head together um so it's yeah I, I did I quite liked her so um interesting uh, romantic twist a bit later on in the year he starts dating Katie Armstrong and and she doesn't even care that he used to be a drug dealer I don't remember a whole lot about Katie now I know we didn't particularly find her that interesting um no was she was a bit a bit nothing, wouldn't she? But this must have been before she was getting out with Chesney, maybe, or was it after? I don't remember. But yeah, she. They, I think they tried to give her a bit of an edge by making her go out with Callum, but it didn't last very long. Well, Callum was like a, a womanizer, wasn't he? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, he eventually reveals to Max that he's his real dad. He does a big old, big old surprise soapy reveal of it. And uh, Max then takes the opportunity to rebel against David until he's finally allowed to meet him. You're not my real dad. And this was quite funny as well, because the old actor to play Max, Harry McDermott, was very kind of unassuming and, and sweet and quite cute, wasn't he? I can see current Max, yeah, Paddy definitely. Beaver's Max acting in this way, but when they decided to give Harry McDermott's Max ADHD and make him, well he just like, threw a birthday cake out of a bedroom window and I, I, I just didn't quite He's feel... punk rock. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really quite feel the, 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 the menace or um, you know, not that everyone that ADHD has got menace or anything, but having him rebel just didn't quite fit the character because he was brought in as such a, such a sweetie pie. Um, anyway, so he he eventually um he eventually meets up with his his real old dad Callum. So um Callum dumps Katie after making fun of her because she this is around when I think when she left the program she yeah so it must have been after she dated Katie then so her mum had shown back on the scene hadn't she um and then she invited Katie to come back and live with Portugal to Portugal with her and Katie's like oh no I think I'll stay in Weatherfield actually and Callum's like well you've got this opportunity to go and live in Portugal you've got no ambition love you're going nowhere I'm dumping you I think really you probably just got bored of her I was using that as an excuse because he did he force Katie to go to Portugal I don't yeah let's say yes and then he and then she died Oh yeah. So he's yeah, responsible yeah. for Katie's death. For the orphaning of of, of lovely Joseph. Oh. So anyway, he had his eye on somebody much uh, a much higher prize here. He was looking at Sarah Louise Platt, David's sister. And obviously you don't we don't need to spell out the um the difficulties that that could cause that he is not only going out but knocking boots with the sister of his arch rival David. I think I I can't remember how much of this Sarah knew at the time. I think she was just like thinking that him and him and David were just bickering. She she's like, "Grow up, well, I'll sleep she, with who I want to." Yeah, she and David have got a very antagonistic relationship, and I can't imagine that her, especially back then, mm. letting David dictate anything. Absolutely not. No, especially no, no. considering he's her little brother. Yeah. Um, now, what came what came next um, was a scene that I remember really well. Which was when David tries to get Callum arrested for drug dealing, and he gets Andy Carver, remember him, to Andy plant, was plant just drugs bloody, in like, Callum's car. Did he just he was like, um, who's that? Renfield, the the character from Dracula, who's like the the little dog's body. He's like he's mm. like everyone's dog's body. He gets blackmailed by almost everybody. He's easily blackmailable. Yeah, yeah. He's very easily coerced. Well, he cares because he keeps getting himself in bother, doesn't he? And he thinks that he has to do people's biddings so that yeah. they don't rat him to the police. And at this time, Andy Carver was going under the um, the, the assumed name of Gavin Rodwell because he was pretending to be Michael Rodwell's son. Um, and David had got wind of this. And he was like, well, I'm going to tell him who you really are unless you take these drugs and put them in Callum's car. Um, so he, they all go to, I think they go to the dog and go and find the car outside, get inside it somehow, but ends up getting caught because one thing you can say about Andy Carver is he was a fairly hapless criminal when he tried to be, because he was such just a good guy really, wasn't he? So Callum catches him, ties him up in the back of the dog and gun. I think Macca and Gemma are there, are looking intimidated, and David has to wade in and rescue him. Unfortunately for David, that also meant Callum dragging him off into a van, driving him up to a warehouse and beating seven bells out of him with a baseball bat. Poor David. Um, so, 
David gets out of this and then flees to Liverpool with Max. And I think this this is where Martin was living. David's dad wasn't it, in Liverpool, so maybe you went up to go and see him Briefly. as well. But he, he, he didn't want to stay in Weatherfield anymore because he knew that Callum was coming after, who David, for all intents and purposes, considered his own son at this point because... Um, no, no, yeah, because, well, he, he, was, he was married to Kylie. David was, not Max, that'd be weird. So Callum tracks them down thanks to a call from Max on his mobile. So um, David has to end up coming back to Weatherfield, I guess. Um, Callum wins visitation rights. Um, uh, and then this is around when Kylie returns. And Kylie's return, I always remember, because that coincided with the Victoria Court fire, didn't it? Because do you remember at the end of that Britain's Got Talent week, like the final scene of the week was Kylie hiding around the corner of a flat or something. And it's like, oh, she's back. So Sarah dumps Callum. Because another um, really memorable scene for me is Max is around his flat one time and finds a gun. Yeah, is, is it in the top of a wardrobe? It was in a wardrobe. Yeah, uh, yeah. This was very, very distinct in my memory mm. too. And he doesn't. He doesn't know that it's a toy gun. I mean, Max must have been what, what? nine? It's a toy gun. He, no, he yeah. So he no he he thinks it's a toy gun. Sorry, Max must have been about nine at this point, and he didn't realise that this is an actual thing. And he's literally there holding it, pointing it. Pew at, pew. At, um, Callum and Kylie I think (laughs) and Callum just kind of coolly takes it back from him oh no it must have been it must have been Sarah and and Callum Um, and 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 Callum takes it back and and Sarah's like I can't believe you're just casually like handling a revolver here you're not allowed guns you're a bit of a, you know, this is you're a bit, a bit too, too much, much of a, a crim for me. So I'm um, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out with Gary now, who's um, currently getting away with two counts of uh, yeah. But murder-ish. now she's she's working her way up though, isn't she? Because now she's dating a solicitor. Oh yes, Harry that's too, true. She, yeah, yeah, yes, that's right. Don't forget. Um, so anyway, um, no, she, Sarah's not getting out with him anymore. Um, but. He blackmails her into staying quiet about his dodginess because it turns out he's been using Bethany, Sarah's daughter, as a drugs mule. I can't remember why she decided to do that. And it was just a, a short dalliance with drugs mulery, wasn't it? But yeah. um, anyway, so uh, that's a bit of a catch-22 situation for Sarah there. Um, this is when Jason Grimshaw kind of wades into the storyline because he... Um, he was did he did he ever marry Sarah? I think she was married to him at one point. I know there were a couple of weddings and one of them ended up with Jason going out the window. But anyway, Jason is still protective of Sarah. So he uh, he's as Callum continues to harass her, David comes along and is like, You leave her alone. He ends up getting beaten up in the ginnel. There was a couple of good beating scenes in this Callum storyline, and that was definitely one. I think that I can't remember whether it was Sean Ward or um Ryan Thomas said that this is one of like their favourite favourite days. I think it was Sean Ward saying this was one of the best days on on set. Either this one when he had to to uh, kick the living daylights out of Jason, or when he was a few weeks later beaten up himself because. Um, Tony, Jason's dad, finds out what Callum did to Jason and then, yeah, he gives him a good beating back, which he only stops after Liz McDonald makes him, catches him and makes him stop it. So, by September, Callum's in a bit of dire financial straits at this point. As you know, if, you, if you're if you a drug dealer, you've got you to gotta watch your finances, haven't you? Because if you start owing people things, then... Um, they get annoyed. They get just a bit ratty, yeah. So by this point, he owes his boss, Denton, £20,000. And um, he tries to get... Callum tries to get the plats to cut off... To cut... To cough up in exchange... Cough up. For, cough up. 
in exchange for him taking a step back with Max, who is like, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you keep Max and I'll leave him alone if you just give me twenty thousand um, pounds. He can, he, just, he spends the first half of September basically hounding them for money, and while this is going on, Jason's trying to get revenge on him too. Um, and, and and then there's another fight between them. So Callum. Um, arranges for Audrey to get some hassle from his heavies at the salon um, and then eventually um, Max calls David Dad in front of Callum to show that he wants nothing to do with him anymore that riles Callum up some more he tries to grab him Max runs in front of a car that Nick's <gasps> driving stupid. gets hit by it but luckily oh. for him he's not too badly injured Callum's it arrested got his head yeah, Callum's arrested, Not released on bail, <laughs> and he gets right back to hounding the Platts. He's still got his money problems, though. So if you can't blackmail people into getting your money, then your only option is to flee the country. Oh, I was going to steal it. No, he wouldn't do that. He's an honourable drug dealer. Yeah, he's just a drug dealer. He's not a thief. No, he's going he's gonna to do one out of the country a bit like old Corey was going to do last year. Um, with Gemma's help, because Gemma is still like desperately trying to she's cling at, on to him. She's, she's like a proper good personal assistant. She's doing his travel booking. She is proper PA, isn't yeah. she? Right, yeah. Um, so um, Sarah pretends to be Kylie. And this this was um, Callum's undoing, wasn't it? She tries to lure him to the house by yeah taking Kylie's phone, texting Callum and says, oh, come round, I've got something for you. But what she really wants to do is to record him confessing his crimes. Another classic Cory move there. But he clocks what she's up to, goes for her, pins her on the floor, maybe to try and rape her. And um, But unfortunately for him, Kylie is also there and she whacks him with a wrench and he dies. Live. Brilliant. This was live. This was the live episode of Coronation Street in 2015 that was put on to celebrate the 60th anniversary of ITV. And um, it, that, that, was a, that was a great episode, wasn't it? And th- these, these scenes between Sean Ward and um, Tina O'Brien were so well done, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, it's very physical. Um, it was really brilliant. It was so exciting. And uh, there's always that extra kind of nervous tension on the screen when it's a live episode you can mm. you can feel the actors and sometimes i also notice when they're on location um and they're filming something and maybe they don't get very many takes they always, always seem quite uh, you know what i mean mm. like there's an extra layer of nervousness and uh, it kind of translates to extra drama on the screen yeah i mean this this scene must have been you know rehearsed to high heaven but um, it, yeah. it came across so so well, and um, and I think at the time, we, I can't remember. I don't think that we we didn't know for sure that Callum was going to be leaving at Coronation Street. We certainly didn't go in there knowing that he was going to die. But I've got a feeling that we went in kind of thinking something something may be happening to him here. What's it going to be? Is he going to get arrested? Could he die? But it was still a massive surprise when he had. Sarah there pinned down on the floor you kind of hear the whack and then the camera pans up um up the legs and then it's revealed that it's Kylie holding on to this massive wrench it was a brilliant moment um I was having a look at a couple of interviews that um that Sean Moore did after this and apparently Gemma this was Coronation Street's first ever bite what do you believe are you joking no this is the first bite. bite in a fight it was supposed to be a slap 
um, that she was going to do. Because this is this is Sarah Lou biting Callum to try and get away, and she was going to slap him, but they wanted to make it um, a bit more animalistic, the fight, and a little bit more, yeah, a bit more rough. Feral and desperate is how Sean Moore described it. And it, it was... It was just brilliant considering it was live. That's crazy. Yeah. He he also says, yeah, I didn't tell anyone apart from my immediate family that I was going. Even though I'd known a while that I'd be leaving, I decided not to audition for other parts while still here as I didn't want to be seen. Didn't want to risk anyone knowing that I was leaving in case this led to people guessing Callum's fate. So that's that's that nice that's proper professional, that is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he... And and I, the other thing that he said in here, which made me laugh, was that when he was told by Stuart Blackburn, the uh, the then producer, that his uh, his number was up, um, he was just called up to his office and he's lo- he thought he was in trouble. But Stuart Blackburn was like, "I'm gonna kill him off." And apparently, he said, "I want to do it Game of Thrones style, as in, like nobody was gonna know that it was gonna happen." Um, it was oh, it was it was really really good. But um, his story didn't end there. He didn't just get zipped up into a body bag and then we hear about a future and everything else. Now this is another reason why it's quite good that we waited, I guess, to do Callum's character profile because he's been so important since then. Yeah, because that um, that that well, you haven't finished two thousand and fifteen. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, he he. Well, no, they, they, what happens is they, they've, he's there dead on the floor. Yeah. They kind of, they wrap him up in a carpet, I think. David comes back as well because they, yeah. they're, they're like, oh, what, Sarah and Kylie, what the hell do we do with this guy? But fortunately for them, there's a bit of building work going on in um, what is now David's bedroom. It had been the garage up to this point, hadn't it? Most famously yeah. um, seen in the Richard Hillman episode where he drives out of it to, to go to the canal. But yeah, so they, um, they just kind of plop him down the manhole and, and you know, we were left at the time thinking, well, how long is this going to last? And we, and we thought, is this going to be like a Corrie secret for years that there's a dead body buried underneath um, Gail's, Gail's bedroom? Yeah. Now David's bedroom. But it, it didn't stay buried for long. Uh, people were, some of the characters was kind of sniffing around a bit. Like, I felt so bad for Gemma. She was, like, knocking on the door saying, have you seen Callum, have you seen Callum? Because without, I mean, he was the most important man of her life. He was a bit, you know, she fancied him, but I guess he was a bit of a father figure as well. I mean, they were the same age, but, you know, she she relied upon him. older brother. Depended on him, yeah, exactly. And then you also got Marion, his mum, who was completely innocent in all of this, also kind of, bereaved but not realising it because they just they didn't know where he was I think at one point Callum texts Gemma sorry Kylie texts Gemma from Callum's phone to try and make out he's alive um, but the the, the big um, twist in this that happens towards the end of 2015 is Sarah discovered that she is pregnant with Callum's baby oh my gosh and their little fling together whoopsie doodles so Gemma I'll, I'll take you I'll let you go and tell me a bit about 2016 well Sarah gives birth to Harry in March and then she goes a bit crazy, doesn't she? She's kind of a bit crazy before she gave birth to him, to be fair, she didn't was, she? She yeah. kind of imagined that she, she was carrying the Antichrist. Yeah, precarious mental state. Um, she thinks that the baby is being possessed by Callum's spirit and uh, it gets quite serious. It's, there's a few spooky scenes where she's thinking she can hear stuff. It was and... very telltale heartish, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Lady Macbeth. Doesn't she um like see that think that she sees him in the street or something? It's and great. She she gets she has a few good scenes with uh with Billy the Vicar sort of wanting 
him to be exercised or something. Yeah. It sounds a bit silly, but it was really good. Tina O'Brien, she... When, so when, when they give her the right material, Tina O'Brien is a fantastic actress yeah. that can do a lot more than just be kind of a bit narky and moany, which was what we're saying but at we the moment. She was... Uh, what did you get me for Valentine's Day, my darling? <laughs> she um, she was brilliant, but yeah, she gets um she, she gets section. section, doesn't she? She ends up in a psych- psychiatric unit. Yeah, uh, but um, th- and this is after Callum's body is discovered as well. Yeah, in another brilliant moment. Well, yeah, it doesn't really help that she's in living in the house with the baby, pregnant with the baby, when she knows the man is dead mm. and buried under the house. Mm. Um, but not for long. The body gets discovered in May. Because Tyrone drives, and was it Fizz as well? Yeah. Drives the pickup into the annex by accident. Yeah, this was Britain's Got Talent Week of 2016, Stunts. wasn't it? It was a brilliant stunt where, like, was it? Carla was trying to run over Tracy. She swerves. That makes Tyrone and Fizz swerve out of the way. They drive um, straight into, uh, through Gail's, um, through, through the window or whatever it was there, um, destroys the flooring, and then when... David goes in there to find out the to look at the wreckage. The manhole is broken, and um, there's a bit of a funny smell coming out of it. So there was no hiding it. The Britain's Got Talent week kind of ended with the, the police digging out this body and then discovering that Callum's been there. So um, everyone kind of starts getting a bit suspicious about who, who the done murderer it? is. Well, there's a very small pool of people it could be, isn't there? Mm. Um, everyone's suspicious. Uh, Jason suspects Sarah at one point and Todd thinks it was David. And then Todd eventually finds out that Kylie was the killer and she's complicit in the cover-ups um, when the Platts pin it on Tony, who, Jason's dad, dies of a heart attack and then he gets blamed retrospectively with the wrench. Yes, yeah, because he, he died in like early 2016, so he was the perfect person to pin it on because he'd been doing the building work on the on the garage conversion, yeah. I think. Yeah, and... Um, and, it, you know, and, it, and it fit in with, with Tony having beef with, with Callum because he was kicking Jason that time. And uh, we also learned that Jason thinks that how you discard your tea bags is genetic <laughs> because he piled like it ADHD. into a great big pyramid. I remember that about Tony. I know, it's weird, Tony isn't it? Tony and the tea bags. Um, Tony and the tea bags. Uh, Todd tells the police that Tony confessed to him because he thought it was Sarah who'd killed him and he wanted to get suspicion away from her. So Sarah just couldn't shut up about it. She felt so, so guilty about yeah. being involved, you know, being there when the murder happened and covering it up. Funny. That, yeah, Todd's I love Sarah. I love neurotic Sarah. She's way more interesting when she's, uh, she's on a ledge. Yeah. And this story is still going. We say that the Gary murder cover-up story's been going for a long time. Well, you know, after he, after he killed Rick Neelan a it's, couple of years ago and then dropped a factory on Rana's head. But actually... It only grows more complicated as the years go by as well. Yeah. So, at the mo- so we've got... At the moment, m- most people still think it was Tony that did it, didn't? Yeah. don't they? But in 2018, Sarah confesses to Gary... Um, because he want, yeah, th- at this time he's in the middle of the Pat Phelan kind of saga and he wants to kill Pat and Sarah's like you yeah, don't want to do that because I've, I've been involved in killing somebody and I'll tell you what it's not fun no, so Gary knows at this point um, and then also the fo- the following year she tells Nick what happened tell you what Sarah loose Double lips <laughs> so, well don't forget by this point also Kylie's dead 
Yes, yes, exactly. So Sarah and David, Kylie killed Callum. So the person who killed Callum is dead. Mm. But Sarah and David still helped cover the crime up. Yeah, yeah. So they are absolutely in trouble if it ever comes out that they were involved. Well, it couldn't come out that Kylie did it without coming out that they were involved because why would it? Why would it come out? Mm-hmm. So when um, when Nick finds out about this, he uses that information to keep David quiet about... Because David finds out that Nick stole Audrey's money that time. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. And also in 2019, we had um, Marion as Callum's mum back on the scene uh, because she wants to have a bit more of a relationship with Max. And um, it seems like at the moment, everyone's kind of okay everything's okay between Marion and the Platts. And we haven't seen her for a couple of years now, have we? But no, just doing all of this, talk, I mean, doing my research and talking about Callum this evening makes me really quite excited for when this eventually comes out. I mean, Do will you think Marianne... it will? I mean, I don't, I don't I'm not know. sure that it will, but I think the fact that they've recast Max and Max's dad was killed. That, that sounds David like prime fodder. And, and his... You know, his aunt and his stepdad helped cover this murder up and have said nothing. Can you just imagine for years? You know how how upset um, how upset and confused Max was when he found out about David's rape, and imagine then if David was like, and also helped kill your dad. Well, you didn't help kill him, but it just helped hide his well, dead David, body. Of all the people that were involved, David was the least culpable, wasn't he? Because he just pitched up after they'd already yeah. sort of moved the body about. and Yeah, yeah. Didn't they try to move him and they couldn't? But and maybe David... something like that. I can't that. remember. They needed but, David's but, manly strength. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Callum being, yeah, I... I they really, there really is a festering wound at the heart of the Platt family that yeah. needs to be dug out. So at the moment, the only people that know the truth about it, I believe, are Sarah, David, Gary, Todd and Nick. All And, and those characters are all still in the show. Gary's obviously got his massive secret about Rick Nealon. Well, he And it's used, a bit mutually assured destruction, yes, isn't he it? Yes, he used this information to make Sarah shut up about... About... Um, Bloke. Yeah, about killing Rick. Because Sarah, Sarah Sarah knows that Gary to... has killed Yeah, Sarah somebody. was trying to get Gary in trouble, but he was like, I know what you did with Callum. Yeah. So, ooh. It just feels like Maria also is... knows that, doesn't she? There's a lot of people that know dodgy things about their neighbours. Yeah. Maria knows about Rick. About Rick. But it's really interesting because it is, in a sense, if they did want to bring it back, they could do because it is kind of tied up with Callum's murder mm. and Rick's murder and Rick's that we don't still haven't found out whether Rick is dead or not. But um, he is. No, no, no. The, dead, the, the the everybody else. Oh yeah. yeah that yeah. we know, but like in the show, nobody actually no, knows. Kelly still so, thinks um, that he's still alive. Somewhere. So the thing is, the longer it goes on, the more I'm thinking, who's going to know? Who's going to? How are they going to? How are they going to? relay this information to people that haven't watched it when it was on or have forgotten. That's the problem, isn't and it? Because it's a long time and if, it's great that they've got I'm, a long running thing. But... If I'm thinking that about Rick, then even more so is that applicable to what happened to to mm. Callum. Mm. Because when they... On these... it's such an opportunity to pass up. Yeah. And on these times when they bring it up, I, I know that I was sitting there watching it thinking, who knows what about who? Does Sarah know? Just... You know, it's. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be almost impossible. They just need to. 
they just need to do it. Rip but yeah, if, if Gary gets found out, which surely he will, then he's got nothing to lose and he could well drop Sarah and David well, in it. it. it Although sure, it he does depend. care for Sarah. It depends on, on how G- Gary is brought to task and whether he wants to burn the house down on his way out. Mm, because mm. if if Sarah and and that lot haven't hurt him in any way, he's not he's not that vindictive. I don't think he'd he'd um do it for no reason, but if he felt as though they deserved it for some it fe- reason. It feels like the truth could come out about both of them around the same time. It just seems to fit too neatly. And I, I, I'm really conflicted about whether I want it to be, because on the one hand it's like so it's it's like a, a massive dangling thread. But on the other hand, I don't think... I don't know how Sarah or David could get out of it. And, and I think that that, uh, that Gary is definitely a dispensable no. character. But I don't think that Sarah or David well, are. Well, there's a, there's a difference between it becoming widely known and the police finding out. Mm. Well, if the police don't find out, they're not going to get in trouble, are they? No, but it just feels like they should. The police should find out. Because it, it it just feels dangling. Statue to of me. limitations. Yeah, I don't think they have. That. I don't think you got that. Yet, no, I don't. <laughs> but you know, the the, the war in Weatherfield does work in different Look, ways. We know the thing is, let's not forget that Sarah's married to a solicitor, and they can be very tricksy. So I would imagine that he, if it did go to court, they could probably quite easily write that Adam's so convincing. Mm. You know, he he took an evening out to read up on murder law. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know how they do. Boundary yeah. disputes, murders, whatever, I'll do any you of can, it. Can Nick and Todd get in trouble for knowing about a crime and not reporting it? Is that is that a crime to do that? I don't know. Well, if it's not a crime to watch somebody kick somebody else to death and not help them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, you know, is it... Is, is, she didn't say anything, did she? No, Kelly, we're talking about it. I'm yeah. talking about Kelly. Yeah. And all has been forgiven. So... I thought you said all has been forgiven then, all across your... <laughs> I guess there's different levels, aren't there? Because, you know, they they actually did... <laughs> Maybe that's why no body. producer has done anything it's about like, it, it's too complicated. Confusing. Stuart Blackburn's like, I'm going to set this house of cards up and I'll let somebody else and every bit, knock it and over. Then the, no, and then, um, uh, what's her face? Kate Oates. Kate Oates and Ian McLeod come along and start putting glue on it, going, I'm not touching this. It is, it's basically, Stuart Blackburn set up the um, the Callum thing. Yeah. Then you got Kate Oates that says, I'm going to make Gary a killer. Yeah. That was her, wasn't it? Or maybe that was Stuart. Man, no, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was an Ian McLeod thing. I lose track well, of it now. You but... think, you'd think you think that you need to tidy up on your way out, wouldn't you? But apparently yeah. not. Apparently not. And it's just like, I'll just leave the next producer you to see it. what they want to I'll do give with you a it. The next producer is like, I don't know I because don't understand. I, I'm not being the one to call Jack P. Shepherd up to my office and tell him he's fine. <laughs> no, I'll leave it for the next guy. Um, yeah, so there we go. There's Callum. Um, I, I, I think, you know, in my mind, like I said earlier, he's, he's not up there with the other Corrie villains. I think they just didn't give him enough time. And, and but he, he was massive, wasn't he? he? He was absolutely massive. And he was quite unlike a lot of other Corrie villains, which they do seem to have a history of, like, gentlemen killers, Yeah, yeah, they? suave businessmen types. You know, your Tony yeah. Gordons, your Frank Frosters. Your, Not your very Alan many Bradleys. of them were as rough or as young as Callum. No, no. So he does stand, stand yeah. apart there. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I just I look back on this era with fondness. Yeah, I me think. too. Yeah, like, you could probably so listen capers. to us talking about it now, saying this is a bit rubbish. But yeah, when wow. when I think back to the Callum story, this is a lot of fun because yeah. we were we were huge plat plans, and, and and to have them be the um, the centerpiece, if you like, of the the live episode in two thousand and fifteen. That was just brilliant. It even had its own little trailer. Do you remember? It was like called um, Nowhere Left to Run trailer, and it had Kylie, David, yeah. and Sarah being chased Running through around. the streets yeah. by Callum, and then like yeah. they go, they go all around. And everywhere. he's like walking, and they're running. Yeah, down the ginnel yeah. through Ken's house, and then they end up like on the edge of a cliff. The the cobbles have. Um, it's like a sinkhole's appeared. It is a bit like a sinkhole has appeared in Rosamond Street, and and David, Kylie, and Sarah are there, and Callum's just um, threateningly walking towards them, and then it says nowhere left to run. And that was a really brilliant trailer for for the episode, which turned out very very well. So um, yeah, I I think I think you're right with with Max the way that he is now. It really feels like a great opportunity for them to. You know, to turn into a total rebel when they, when if he were to find out what part David played in his dad's death, and if David thought that if David blames Gail for bringing Richard Hillman into his life, then maybe that's almost nothing compared to what David has done to Max. I wonder whether David ever still feel ever thinks about it. Does he feel guilt, or has he kind of suppressed that? I don't know, but it would be very interesting if Max started talking about his dad. Yeah, because he had disowned him. We'd seen, you know, he he he'd called Ka- he called David dad in front of Callum. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't really count for a job, you know. When you're a teenager and you're going through, you know, discovering yourself and and everything, it's only natural to to think back and remember your dad because it's not like he was so young that he's not going to remember him. I know, and also sometimes when you you sort of emerge into adulthood, you wonder, like, is my memory of this right? Mm. Or what happened there? Yeah. Tell me more about this because I don't really, and I wasn't involved in a lot of the stuff that actually happened. And is there another perspective that you might be able to, to give me on what happened with my dad? And then what would David think? Like, God, mm. don't let him know. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you, uh, I'd, I'd wonder whether you could get any scenes with um, Max going to speak to Gemma about it. And that's another way that you could get her back in. There's no yeah. particular reason at the moment why Max should have anything to do with Gemma, well, but they could easily put them together. Because if you think about, if you think about it, it doesn't, it is, is really weird. And you think, you think that Max would say something like, I was thinking about my dad and how Tony Stewart killed him. And then he buried him in our house like how did he do that did you know what did you think when it was discovered like all that kind all those questions yeah and i'm still wondering like how much he was but i wonder how much does he know how much does he remember because yeah he was like yeah he was 10 9 10 it's not like he would forget it it's old enough to remember something plowing into your garage and And your dad's body being hoiked out they can try and protect him from it like they did about the, the rape but he's going through puberty and angsty phases and being a moody teenager and i think sometimes um when you're that age you wear your trauma like a badge of honor Mm. in a sense and i can imagine him sort of boasting about oh well i you know you think that's bad i lived in the house and my dad was buried and i didn't even know and it might make him suddenly think oh god 
I did that did happen. I lived through that. It could have, it could be a a suppressed memory that he's you know he just got buried somewhere now. Yeah. See, I wonder as well whether because Corey like to get their teens on drugs at the moment, don't they? Every other teen is smoked or injected or spice, whatever something. Could could Max get into drugs and you know that? Yeah. Somebody says, oh. That's funny, you should do me doing that. It's funny, yeah. I used, to, I used to buy drugs off your dad yeah. when I was Very reasonable rates. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we've we kind of gone off topic a little bit now, but um, that was the end of, of Callum. I, I don't think it's the last we've heard of him. Um, or, and, and in fact, uh, and, I, and I kind of forgot this when we started, when we decided to do Callum this week, but Sean Ward has been... Um, He's he's been in the news recently, hasn't he? As of since, February twenty twenty two. Yes, I mean since since Coronation Street, he's been in a few things. He's done a couple of short films. I think his his biggest role since Coronation Street was in uh, Our Girl, which was that Michelle Keegan thing, wasn't it? Where he played a character called Fingers, apparently. But um, <laughs> what yeah, charming name! He's he's mostly famous recently um, after getting arrested last year for taking part in anti-vax protests. I don't know. <laughs> I don't particularly want to go into it, but um, it would be um, it'd be lapse of me not to mention it at all. And then just a couple of weeks ago, he was in the news talking about how his life has completely fallen to bits since then. This is and a I nice always, way to leave it. Isn't I it? always find it bad, you know, for, because there there've been a number of Corrie characters that we profiled in the past, and their actors have had really sad ends, haven't they? We think about like you know Peter Adamson, for example, and um, who was it? Moss. Yeah, yeah, is that, is that who is that her name? Lucille. Lu- yeah, Lucille Hewitt. What was her name? Jennifer Moss. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But uh, and this is on the, isn't the end of Sean's life, I hope. But um, yeah, he's he said his teeth's fallen out, his hair's fallen out. He he's lost all his possessions because he he had to, he lost his home, put them in a storage locker. He couldn't keep up his payments, and then the storage locker people paid them. But he could rescue his mattress, and now for what? for the past few months he's been sleeping on a mattress in a mate's house. So it's all a bit rubbish, really. Um, and you know, for whatever he things about the vaccinations i don't well, personally agree with him but i don't wish, be... wish ill upon him no just because all. you have an opinion on something doesn't mean you deserve to be homeless yeah i, I look back on callum very fondly i thought that was a great era for the show i think he was fantastic as, as callum and yeah, he i hope that he brilliantly has menacing a brighter a brighter future yes indeed so I think we will end it there. Um, hope that was a nice little trip down memory lane for those of you who've been watching um, since before 2015. And if you are a new viewer of Coronation Street, then... Um, that's your secrets, though. You know everything. That's your secrets, yeah. yeah. You don't tell anybody. Because Keep we all... it on the down low, please. Yeah, and, and maybe you know a little bit more about why Max is the way he is, maybe. Maybe. Right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back at the weekend with our normal weekly episode talking about this week's Coronation Street goings on. But for now, I think we will sign off. Gemma, any last words? Um, Thank you very much. Oh, no, go All on. right, fine. No, what Goodbye. are you going to say? Bye. Gonna... But, oh, no, what are you going to say? Bye. Oh, I'll never know. Goodbye, everybody. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, 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 oh.